my honor to, to bring Brother Woody up to the platform. We fell in love with him the first year that we were a church. Actually, when we had the Gideons uh, come, he came to represent them. We didn't really know who he was or what to expect that much that morning. We found out real quick that he loves to flow in the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. You think, well, this is just a boring Gideon talk. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. You get into the spirit of this thing, it is going to bless your socks off. Uh, my, my view towards the Gideons is I, I just honor them. They do an awesome work. And we've been blessed to go to some breakfasts and hear some stories. And, man, to see the passion behind these guys. They just don't do it just to be doing it. They have a passion of getting the Word of God in the hands of people all over the world. And we are just a small part of that, but we all we are a part of that. And it's our honor to be able to partner with the Gideon. So without any further ado, Brother Woody Sutton, let's give him a good hand. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, I'm going to abbreviate this as much as I can. So uh, I won't I'll try not to keep you too long. Uh, I know you guys have uh, got things you want to do after dinner or after church and uh, have lunch and whatever. But I got, uh, you know, the presence of the Lord this morning is so pleasant, isn't it? Don't you just love the presence of the Lord? I'm going to share something with you that's not, this don't have anything to do with the Gideons. I feel impressed to share it. And I've never shared it at a Gideon presentation before. In February 18th of 2013, I had a temperature of 104 degrees. And my son is a doctor and my wife called my son and he said she, she told him said dad's temperature is 104 he said you, he cannot stay there at 104 you got to get it down he said his age he will die he's, he's going to start shutting down my temperature stayed 104 for quite a while my heart started racing real fast it just it got going so fast I could not count the beats so I didn't want to tell my wife because she would went hysterical that so I go in and lay down in my bed and I, I told Jesus, laying in my bed, this is about 2 o'clock in the morning, I said, Jesus, if you don't touch me, I'm going to die. Because my heart had got going so fast, I could tell it wasn't pumping much blood, it was just quivering. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared in my bedroom. And when he appeared, I left my body. I was going out. We were Jesus and I were going through the wall and the window at the same time. And I looked back, my body was laying in the bed. And I told Jesus, I said, My wife's sick, Jesus. I can't die. He said, Well, you're not dying. So I'm going to show you some things. I'm not going to share much of this. I'll, just, I'll, I'll share just a little bit of this. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Simultaneous. And as soon as I left my body, I was aware of Jesus. I'm going to go to the end of it now. I'm going to skip where he took me and all that. The day after that, I was afraid to tell my wife, which was on a Wednesday. I thought, I can't tell her you're scared to death. So Thursday morning, I said, Honey, I got something I need to tell you. I said, Tuesday night I died. And immediately, the audible voice of Jesus spoke and said, no, you did not die. And I told her, I said, honey, I didn't die. 
She looked at me sort of funny. I said, you hear that? She said, I didn't hear anything. So I, I continued to tell her the story. It went on. And the, the very last of it, she said, well, how long did this last? And I was fixing to tell her probably 30, 40, 50 minutes or maybe an hour I was gone. And as soon as I started, an audible voice came again. He said, tell her you don't know the time. I said, I don't know the time. Then he spoke again and he said, in the spirit realm there is no time. But God's aware of everything that we're doing. He's aware of this moment right now. He's more present than what I'm breathing. But God is absolutely wonderful. He's all love. All love. He's the most wonderful thing in your life. The most wonderful thing in your life. And He wants to take good care of you. He wants to take good care of you. Jesus is absolutely wonderful. And when I got back in my body, I'll show you one little thing. He was so nice. He said, get back in your body. I didn't even want to, but I did. He said, well, how's that feel now? My heart was beating normal when I got back in my body. Just normal heartbeat. I thought, well, Jesus, this is wonderful. But Jesus cares. He really cares about every aspect of your life. I told you I was going to cut this short, and I'll try to. In November of 13, I went to Honduras on a mission trip. And I went to take Gideon Bibles. When I got to, to the ranch where I was going, the missionary told me, he said, Woody, we've got to go to the sawmill. He said, there's a lay minister there that asked me for Bibles a couple of weeks ago. And I told him, I didn't have any Bibles. And we don't have the money to buy any. He said, but I've got a Gideon coming from the States in a couple of weeks, and he'll bring Bibles, and I'll bring you some. So I put a, a hundred Bibles in the truck, and we went out to the sawmill, and when we got there, this guy at the sawmill is an armed guard. He's a lay minister plus an armed guard. There's armed guards on everything in Honduras. The Coca-Cola trucks, the stores, the grocery stores, the service stations, the banks, everything. Everybody's got an armed guard because uh, the robbery's so bad there. But anyway, as we stopped there, and he said, did you see the guy over with the shotgun over on the, on the left? And I said, yeah. He said, he's the lay minister. I said, we'll get him over here. He hollered at him, hollered at him and he came over to the truck. He said, this is the Gideon I was telling you about. He said, he's got, a, got you some Bibles. So there were several guys milling around there, outside the gate and a few inside the gate. And I asked him, how many do you need? He said, I need about 30 right here to take care of these guys. So I, I gave everybody there and, and gave him a handful of extras. He said, you can go on in the sawmill, and uh, while they're getting their lumber stuff, you just pass out Bibles to anybody you see in there. So I'm starting passing out Bibles and as we, they're picking up the lumber for a, a clinic they were working on. And as up, I just went through there, just, just handing out Bibles to everybody, and people would come running to get, when they'd see I was, what I was doing, they'd quit the and come running to them. And I thought, well, I'm getting in trouble 
because people are quitting their job to come get a Bible. So after a while, the guy that I went with, he said, Woody, come on. And I said, okay. And there's a couple more guys over there, and I went over getting Bibles. And he said, Woody, come on now. And I thought, uh-oh. And I looked up, and he said, come on, get in the truck. Like that. And there was two armed guards running toward the truck with shotguns. I thought, oh, Woody, you really messed up. But <laughs> when I got to the truck, they were smiling and held their hands out for a copy of the Word. I said, Daryl, what's that big rush? He said, it'll be siesta time here in about two minutes. We're going to get locked in. We have to stay for an hour. So, <laughs> But then when I got down to the gate, the lay minister was grinning from side to side. And I thought, he flagged the truck down. He said, i got to tell you guys something. He's speaking in Spanish, but the interpreter was riding with me. He's telling me what he was saying. He said, since you guys went in somewhere, we've been in there about 10 or 15 minutes, May 20th at the most. He said, I've already led three people to Jesus. Did you guys put in? Isn't that wonderful? On the way back, I had probably 30 Bibles left out of the case I took. And I asked him, I said, can we stop? There was a like a grocery store there, and there were several people milling around there. I said, can we stop and just give the rest of these out here? And he said, sure. The very first person I had, he was walking down the street, and I handed one to him, and he shook his head no. And I didn't. He said something, but I didn't understand what understood what he said. And I just gave. Then people see I was giving out New Testament, so they started getting in a line to get them. And I noticed the guy. I thought, well, that looks. This guy in line. I thought it looks like the first guy I offered one to didn't take it. But I didn't. I didn't say anything. He just just went on, you know. And I ran out of Bibles. I had one Bible left. And there's a little boy about this high. He looked like he's 10, 11, maybe 12 years old. He got my last Bible. And behind him was a real clean-cut, uh, lighter-skinned boy. He's, he was probably uh, in his early 20s. And he said, you, you out of Bibles? I said, I'm sorry. He spoke real good English. I said, I'm sorry. He said, I'm a Christian, but I don't have a Bible. The interpreter told me, he said, that little boy that I gave the last one to, he climbed up and sat on the tr- edge of the truck with his feet in the bed. He said, the little boy sitting on the truck's got one in his pocket besides the one you just now gave him. He said, he's been in line twice. I said, you got two Bibles like that to him? He said, <laughs> I said, let's give this other guy here one, so he'll have one. He said, okay, so he gladly gave that to him. And the, the guy that he gave it to, I've seen the tears come in his eyes, and he said, I want to thank you guys. He said, my wife and I need a Bible bad. He said, I thank you. But the bad part was the people left behind him to get one. i seen the disappointment come on their face because they didn't get a copy. I told Daryl, I said, let's go back, get a case and go back. So we got a case and went back and gave out that case just readily. But at every time we ran out, I seen the disappointment again. I told Daryl, I can't do this. I cannot take Bibles there and they not have them. 
couple ladies come by and she said, my husband and I are Christians, but we don't have a Bible in our house. I said, I'm so sorry. So sorry. I'll give you what I've got. But I told her, I can't go back unless I bring a lot of Bibles. For some reason, the Spanish Bibles, the, the American printed Bibles, about a dollar forty, the little New Testaments. For the Spanish, they charge us two dollars a piece for those, and it takes about twenty-five cents a piece to fly them down to Honduras. But I've already got eighteen hundred in my garage. I'm taking when I go back, and I've had more pledges to take more Bibles back to Honduras. But the missionary told me, he said. The next time you come back, I'm going to take you to a village up in the mountains that nobody's probably got a Bible. Don't even, someone said, don't even know what a Bible probably is. He said, you're going to need at least a thousand. I said, I've got the thousand. I've already got those. But I'm expecting God to do great things. But the guy that I was telling you about when I got off the truck the first time, and he told me he didn't want one. And I thought I'd send him in line list a little later. Interpreter said, he told you on the front end he didn't have any money. He thought I was trying to sell it to him. And after he found it, he was giving it to him. He got back in line to, to get him a copy. He said he wanted one, but he didn't have any money. But you know, most people there don't have any money. It's a real poor country. We went to the school to feed the kids. Fed them rice and a little soft-shell tortilla bread, two little pieces of that. And I took Bibles to the school and gave the kids Bibles. But the bowls, they dipped the rice in the bowls, and they were still dirty from the day before when they ate the rice. They ate with their fingers, but they were careful to get every grain of rice. And then I went to some missionaries and brought some clothing for the kids, and it was in the fall, and they had some light jackets and stuff, and I said, won't you give these out to the boys? And I said, okay. And when they started getting them out, I seen the line was longer than I had clothes. These little boys are four, five, six years old. And when you run out of clothes, and they were expecting something to get done, I mean, you talk about breaking your heart. That will break your heart. I said, I can't do this anymore. I cannot watch these kids be so disappointed. We want you to do it, he said. We want you to do it. I said, next time, I'm going to go the day before to the school and count the kids myself and make sure i got plenty if I'm going to be involved because I cannot stand to watch the disappointment in their eyes. They're so poor. They were, it's just like Christmas to them, you know, when, when we were there. But God is wonderful. I'm going to tell you, God is wonderful. And He'll meet the needs. He'll meet the needs. The boy took me to the airport. I gave him a copy of the new play. He's a Christian boy. He wanted a guy to Jesus while we were waiting for the plane and gave him his copy. So now he doesn't have a copy. But the need is so great. But God will meet the need. God's wonderful. He's wonderful. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I believe he'll do it. I'm not going to keep you a long time. I've got Brittany. Okay, Brittany. I can hardly see you, hon. Brittany's got a, a little... Film presentation, a film presentation that I, part of it's from Honduras. 
And I'm going to let her play that right now. Then, Will, after that, I'll just turn the service back over to Brother Gary. I dreamed my life was done And I stood before God's Son It was time to see what my reward would be With love He reviewed my life Count what was done for Christ For that was what would last eternally See, I'd done my best to share That Jesus really cared
Father, we want to pray over Brother Woody this morning and the Gideons. Before that, could you share just a little bit of the story that we heard at the breakfast about the, the man? Uh, a lot of times when you go to, uh, and I think this is what he's wanting me to tell, uh, a lot of times when you go to a place that they don't understand your language, if you've got an English Bible and they've got their Bible, uh, they can, they can, act, you can actually point to like John three sixteen, in your Bible, and he can turn over there and read what it's actually saying. But uh, and I don't know, but there's been several, several people saved through that technique, and, and we use it when we get people we can't, they can, we can't understand if we don't have an interpreter. I was fortunate enough when I went to Honduras to have an ter- interpreter with me all the time. But that's sometimes that's unusual. But, uh, you know, if, if we present God's Word, I know people will be saved. They will be saved. You know, and, and the third world countries, they don't have Scripture like we do. They don't have a bunch of them laying around on, on the, the tables and everywhere. You know, and these, these people don't have paved roads. they got roads like we had back in the 30s and 40s. They're dirt roads, and, and the women will walk to church. Sometimes they'll walk an hour and a half to church one way. And they had me to speak several nights. And I, the first night they had me speak, we had church started at 2 o'clock. And I thought, reason, I didn't ask. I thought, reason they're starting at 2 o'clock so they can get out here before dark. Nobody, it's dark. Nobody's got any flashlights or anything like that. So I thought, well, they get out. So here I'm going to dismiss by about by the time the sun's going down. I thought, well, that'd give them time to get started home. And they didn't want to go home. I gave them an altar call for, for salvation and healing. And everybody in the church came forward and just lined up. I thought, why am I? And I asked the interpreter, I said, what are they doing? He said, everybody wants you to pray for them. I said, that, they need to go home, you know. But anyway, <laughs> but, but I prayed for every one of them. And they probably didn't leave out there until about 9 o'clock. But the ladies uh, walking, walking down these dirt roads, they, they had their shoes in a sack. And when, there was no creek here, but one of the churches went to. And they washed their feet off in that creek and put their shoes back on before they went home. But they, they were willing to walk an hour and a half when they went to church. Lots of them. Lots of them. Not just a few. Lots of them. But, you know, the power of God's moving. And they're hungry for the Word. They're hungry for God. But, you know, the fields are ripe for harvest now. Now's the time to do the job. And I'm glad that God allowed me to be part of it. Sometimes it breaks your heart. You think, well, I can't do this anymore. But when you see the need, you've got to go back. You've got to do it. It's, you're compelled to do it. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know I'm going to because you asked me to. I'm going to try to do whatever you ask me, Lord. It's in our hearts. We've got to do, we've got to do it. We've got to do it. We've got to get the word up because God's coming soon. And if we don't do it, it ain't going to get done. And there's people going to be in eternity without Jesus. And there's no time. There's no time. When I first became a Gideon, I did it for selfish reasons. This sounds strange, but I did. I was heading a prayer group up at where I worked, and I was needing Gideon Bibles to give to the people at work. Because I went to the other stores and get to get Bibles, and they were poor quality. 
And I'd carried a, a Gideon Bible in my pocket for years. My son had given me in college, after he got out of college, a Greenman. And I knew they were tough, and they would handle a lot of abuse. And I called the Gideons and tried to get some, and they said, we can't do it that way. I called another one I know, and he said, Woody, we can't do that. But said, if you join, you can get all you need. So I joined because of that. The first Saturday I was there, I ordered 600 Bibles. I took them to work and shared that. Just passed them out at work. Well, I found three, well, people found three in the mines that people had lost. And they brought them back to me and said, Woody, I found this in the, in the mines. And I just laid them up in my toolbox. And never did open them up. I thought, well, just Bibles. But I was out at a church back in this past January. And they called me and said, you got any little brown testaments? I said, I'm bad out, but I think I found a few. Well, I thought, well, there's three in my toolbox. I go up in a toolbox. I didn't want to give somebody one that's maybe something that they didn't need to read or what. So I opened them up. The first one opened up. A guy got saved the day I gave him the Bible. They wrote it in there. Then opened the next one up three or four days after the guy had gotten saved. But we get God's word out. Jesus said, if you lift me up, I'll draw people. So I'm just lifting up Jesus. Just lifting up Jesus. But two weeks after I became a Gideon, had a dream one night. I dreamed Jesus and I were walking up Highway 85. And I had my arm around his waist. He had his arm drooped over my shoulder like that. And I said, Jesus, I'm not a very good soul winner. He said, I know, Woody. I said, I've won two or three, maybe four. He said, I know. He said, I want you to turn around and look behind you. And I did that. The whole street behind you, Jesus and I were full of people following Jesus and I. I said, Jesus, who's all these people? He said, what do you have a partner salvations? I turned back around and looked. I said, Jesus, you got the wrong guy. I don't know any of these people. I looked again and I said, I promise you, Jesus, I don't know any of them. He said, what do you have a partner salvations? I said, not me, Jesus. He said, yes. He said, what are you going to do in the Gideons? That's brought this about. The very next day, I went to a Gideon meeting, and I told Wayne, I said, Wayne, what have I got to do to be a church speaker? He said, you got to qualify. I said, what's that take? He gave me a, a little pamphlet there. He said, you got to do this and meet these qualifications, and you got to say this, and you can't say that, and give me a list of do's and don'ts. He said, uh, the board will meet in a couple of weeks, and said, you can go before the board, and they'll okay it or not okay it that you do it. So I'm studying. They said, just put your, whatever appropriate for you, put your name in the blanks. And I showed it to my wife, and I was nervous as I could be about it because I'm really a backward and shy person. You know, and I was so nervous about it. I said, she, she could tell her, she said, Woody, just don't do it. I said, no, I got to do it. And she said, oh, you don't have to. I said, yes, I do. Then I told her about the dream. She said, yes, you have to. On Friday night, before I had to give the presentation Saturday morning, I called Wayne. I said, Wayne, how many people are going to be there at the board to hear me? He said, all oh, three or four people. 
when I got there, there was 15, 17 people there. It scared me absolutely to death. I didn't sleep one wink Friday night. I got up there, I was still scared. I was shaking when I went up there and I had a pad. I used to carry a pad, but I quit doing that. It don't make any difference. I don't be using notes anyway. So. Anyway, uh, had that pad shaking and went like that and laid on the end of the table. When I laid down the anointing power, the Holy Spirit came on me. And I was able to speak the word. Say what I need to say. But it's God's power, you know. I can't. Well, what I can't do, God can do through me if I allow Him to. You've got to be open to what the Spirit holds in your life. You know, my ability was not, I couldn't speak. I'm not a public speaker. But Jesus can speak through me if I allow Him. But that's what I Pastor, I'm sorry I took so much time, buddy. I think you just saw his heart. Somebody say amen. Brother Chris, would you come up? Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm going to have Brother Chris lead. Just reach your hand towards Brother Woody. Brother Chris is going to lead a prayer over him. And uh, Yes. I want to take, I'm not going to take just a minute of your time or so, but I want to tie
must be multiplied. God offering. And uh, also, I don't know if you realize, but when we had the Christian Motorcycle Association with us a few weeks ago, what did the leader stand up here and do as he was talking? Bald like a baby. I mean, passion, tears flowing down. Brother Sutton, tears flowing. That's why we love to partner with these people because the passion that they have is just not just some game with them. It is, it is serious business, and we praise God for that. Amen. So we want to pray over Brother Woody. He'll lead. Everyone stand, please. Amen. Father God, I am greatly humbled and encouraged and, and rejoicing in the partnering with this brother, my brother Woody as he delivers your word. Oh God, I pray that he is first refreshed in his own spirit as you minister to him in any battle that he comes personally against. And then I pray, oh God, that as he is ministering the word and handing the word out, that so many that are lost and bound themselves in battles, that they will be delivered and set free by the power of your word, which will not return void. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And Lord, as he hands that out, as he points to the scriptures, John 3.16 and others, I pray, Lord, that you would go before him with the power of that word and that you would deliver and save a multitude. And Lord, that he would be refreshed there as well. Father, we pray for your refreshing for Brother Woody. We hear his heart and we thank you. And we are humbled, Lord by the hunger for the word in these other countries. Let us as a church be humbled. Let us be ashamed that we will leave Bibles on the shelf and not pick them up when so many walk for hours and strive and cry and search and pray for just the chance to have the word of God in the home. Oh, Father, forgive us for leaving that word dusty. Forgive us, Lord, and break our hearts along with this man at your word and the power of it. And may we take it, Lord, and bless him and his taking of it, all for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. name, we bind the spirit of confusion. In Jesus' name, we bind the spirit of disunity. In Jesus' name, we bind the spirit of criticism. In Jesus' name, we bind the spirit of judgment.
that Father with that. We will not be driven by you to perform. Look at somebody else and say, I will not be driven by you to perform. Why, what does that mean? That means don't be coming in here and expecting us to jump through hoops for you. Let's come in here together and have church. Somebody say amen. Praise God. All right. In Jesus' name, we bind any spirit that is about program only and not letting the Holy Ghost move and operate freely when we start having binding of the Holy Spirit in this place where it cannot move freely like we this morning. When we, when we come into church and it's like that, I just sit the home on my yard. Somebody say amen. I'm not about that. I want to come to church and know I've been to church. We have been to church. You saw that. People have been set free of a lot of junk today. Somebody say amen. And rejuvenated. Praise God. A few more things and we're going to be dismissed. In Jesus' name, we loose the spirit of unity, the spirit of excellence, the spirit of restoration, the spirit of rejuvenation, the spirit of creativity. In Jesus' name, we release joy. Grab yourself right there and say, Joy! Y'all get with it now. We're getting ready to have church now, would We release in Jesus' name peace. We release in Jesus' name rest for those who are tired and weary. In Jesus' name, we release strength in this place for those who have been weakened from the battle of your wife. I mean life, life, life. Sorry, I missed that one. Life. Say this with me, and I promise we're getting ready to do this. Like that, Randy? It is so good to see Randy standing. Praise God. And all of our business. Say this with me. Holy Spirit, you are free to move the way you want to. Say this with authority. Prophesy through us. Preach through us. Teach through us. Let a new song be in our hearts and a new dance in my feet. In Jesus' name, we proclaim all of these things with authority and with expectation. Amen. Turn and give somebody a high five for Jesus. Amen. Now listen to me. Brother Sammy, come on up. Get ready to dismiss this This week, don't forget we're praying for our neighborhoods. 